This is Havala's podcast, and I'm your host, Havala Cunnington. Let's talk about timing. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about how everything works out in His time. You know, that's the hope we have as believers. You know, the world is hopeful in their education or their finance, maybe even in their marital relationship or their opportunity. But our hope isn't just grounded in the tangible things we can see. Our hope is grounded in the reality that there is a God who loves us, who knows us, who created every part of us, who is not disappointed or overwhelmed or angry by our lives, but rather hopeful, full of hope for our future and what he can still do in our lives so that we can live fully present to his purpose on the planet. You know, there are so many times in my life that I felt like God had forgotten about me. It's not that I thought he didn't love me or he didn't care about me, but I was like the kid in the third row. You know, I had forgotten. I felt like I was forgotten by him. You know, I remember one time we were in Disneyland with our kids and if you know me, I'm a Disney fanatic. I really do love it. Um, it's not. I'm not Disney fanatic all year long. I'm like Disney fanatic for about five days, and then I'm full, <laughs> and then I exit stage left, only to return for my annual five day craze. So, one time we were walking in the park, and our kids are four and five years. So you can imagine, we just count heads. I said my only main two roles in life for a long time was just to haul, haul things, haul babies, haul groceries, and to wipe, wipe faces, wipe butts, wipe counters. <laughs> Those are my two roles in my life. And so things got crazy and get really crazy when you have four kids. Even if you have a stroller and you're strapping them in, they wander, they they like to move, they don't, you know, they're half your size or shorter and you can't really see them. They're not an eye level and you got to make sure you're navigating everything with big crowds and food and all the things. And so Ben and I are walking down one of the town, one of the places in Disneyland and all of a sudden our third son, Grayson, which if you have followed my life at all, you know Grayson is the one that the hand of God is on <laughs> greater way. This kid has had some major things happen. He fell out of our two-story window in our house. God miraculously saved him from that. He's been bitten by a dog in the face. He had a near drowning. I mean, this kid is just, I love him. I like to say he's stupid curious. Not that he is stupid, but just like stupid curious. Just so curious that he ends up doing things that are stupid. (laughs) Don't tell him that. I don't say that to his face, but between us girls, that's the truth. So God has been, his hand has been on Grayson. And so anyway, we're walking down the street and all of a sudden we hear Grayson's little raspy voice. And he says, oh, there you guys are. I've been looking for you. (laughs) Ben and I look down (laughs) and we realize that we had lost our son, but didn't know it. And then he found us and announced that he had been found. (laughs) Not our best parenting moment. I do not recommend this. You know, it was that like you look at each other and you hope that no, no one with authority 
<laughs> finds out that this is what actually happened. So Ben and I laugh about it, but I'm thinking about my own life and sometimes I feel like, or there had been times that I felt like I was in my everyday life and I would bump into God and say, oh, there you are. I've been looking for you. And he didn't even know I was gone. He's like, oh, I wasn't even looking for you. Wow, I'm glad you're here. But just a disconnect of believing that God could in some way fail me or maybe write me off or withdraw from me or I don't know. And specifically when you're in the waiting season and you're hoping that you have fulfillment coming in, all the promises and all the dreams and things that you've believed for, you're believing will happen and then the dream gets further away. And there were times when I just felt God, he just set me down. I remember Joyce Meyer wrote or spoke a message many years ago about being on the shelf when God puts you on the shelf. And I resonated with that that thought. Just God was putting me on the shelf. I couldn't do anything. I just had to wait. I had to sit there. And I remember God really speaking to me about creating a Bible study for women. And I didn't have, it wasn't like this real thought out plan. I just knew God wanted me to do it. And I knew I needed to be obedient if I was really going to do it. So Ben and I, talked about it. And through a couple different unique circumstances, we ended up needing to quit my job full time, move out of our house. Uh, We had to, because I had to quit, because I quit my job to write the study. We did not have a double income. We had to sell one of our cars. We had to move out of our two-story big house into a friend's house where they had two extra bedrooms upstairs that we moved into with our two toddlers we're down to one car, driving it around together, and I'm believing we're getting closer to our dream, and nothing. Then I find out the week we move in, I'm pregnant with my third son. So I'm not only in someone else's home, carless, jobless, I'm also really, really sick. Like I'm one of those that when I get pregnant, it's like I have the flu for nine months. I just, my body does not like being pregnant. And so I'm, I'm miserable. I'm, I'm utterly miserable. And then I find this house that I think I tell Ben, listen, babe, this house is going into foreclosure. It's on the market. This would be a perfect house, a perfect beginning house for us. It's this small little charming home, 1400 square feet, downtown Roseville. Let's just get into a house and get out of these other people's home, even though they were gracious to open it up. Like, let's just go and let me go find a house where I can find a bed and I can lay down and throw up in my own toilet. (laughs) That's how I felt. Sorry, TMI. So we go to this house and we make an offer. And it's really high for our budget, but we are just believing that God can do it. And we even meet with uh, the realtor and everybody's saying, yes, it's a go. It's going to be great. The bank's going to, you know, you're asking full price. The bank's going to say yes. And I'm like, okay, this is my moment of redemption. Like this is my breakthrough. This is my threshold. (laughs) And all of a sudden we get word that like nothing is happening. Everything is stalled out. And as I'm driving to drop Ben off at work, I drive by the house again and I see that there is a U-Haul out in front of the house. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go knock on this woman's door like, and find out what happened. She must have sold it, but like, who bought it and what happened? 
And remember, I'm pregnant, so my head isn't that clear. I probably should have never went up to the door and knocked on the door. I don't even believe I deserved an answer. But I walk up to this house and knock on the door, and this wonderful woman comes to the door, and she says, hi, you know, can I help you? And I said, oh, I see that you sold your house. You know, who bought the home? We put an offer on the house. We were hoping we could buy it, but, you know, I just want to know what happened. And she says, oh, oh, no, no, I haven't sold the house. I'm an archaeologist, and, you know, I'm way over my head in this house because of the market crash, and so... I'm just going to move out. I don't, I just, am going to leave the house empty and I'm going to leave, leave for now. And I said, would you mind if we rented the house back? And she said, not at all. You absolutely can rent the house. And I said, okay, well, let me go home and talk to my husband. I know the bank hasn't really approved this, but if we're having a, you know, if we're renting the house before you foreclose on the house, maybe this will work out. So I call Ben. I'm elated. I'm like, babe, we got the house. We could at least move into it. We're renting it. But maybe if the house is still on the market, we could buy it and it would just work out perfect. So he goes, okay, let me, let me do the research. So he calls her. I got her number. And as he calls her, he asks her, okay, we would love to rent the house from you. How much would you like? And you have to understand this is in the middle of the market crashing, yet at this point, all rent is at a very high place. She could get top dollar rent at this point because nothing has really crashed to the point where people are desperate. And she says, all I want is $50 for you to pay the insurance, that, that house insurance. And we said, you're kidding. She said, no, that's all I want. So Ben and I said, okay, we're in. It wasn't more than a week later. We had packed up our two bedrooms, all the stuff in our storage. We moved into this little house on B Street in Roseville, California, and I spent my pregnancy in this home. And it was the kind of homes I like. I like a lot of trees. I like foliage around me. Uh, I like uh, wood floors and cozy. It wasn't brand new. In fact, it was pretty old, but I just loved it. And it felt like we had lived there forever. And... So I'm like, okay, God, you are working this out. Not only did we get a new house because we had to leave our house, not get a, you know, sell one of our cars, lose our income. Now you've put us in a perfect home. Ben can walk to work and we are paying less rent. That's we're paying at the exact rent that we needed to pay. Well, actually less, $50. So we're literally saving what we would have paid for a salary I'm saving now from not not having the salary in rent. That wasn't very clear, but I think you're tracking. So we're in this house and all of a sudden, one day I'm now really pregnant and I drive home, I pull up and I see on the door and the door, and there's a, a like a post, like a big uh, white piece of paper. It's taped to the door and it says um, eviction. So I'm like, Okay, eviction. So not only now I'm thinking God is coming through, now we're getting evicted. We have nowhere to go. I have two and three-fourths child. I'm fully pregnant. I'm tired. I mean, this is not what I want to do. So we call the real estate agent. We call the bank. We're freaking out. What are we going to do? She goes, let me do some research. And so finally, we find out that the house has gone into foreclosure and now the bank owns the house. And we have to get out because we don't know. No one owns this house anymore. And now we're in this home. 
And so now we stop paying rent because we know, you know, we are in this home and the bank's got to kick us out. And so we're just, we don't, we just have to hold the $50 because the woman isn't receiving that anymore. And what do we do? And about a week later, our real estate agent, Jenny Stroop, amazing woman, calls us back and she says, Havila and Ben, you are not going to believe this, but the bank, the banker goes to your church and he wants to work this out for you. And so she said, we think that we can offer $50,000 less for this house and you can actually, if they accept it, you'll be able to stay in the house. Let me tell you guys, by the time the bank approved our loan and said we could stay in the house and buy the home, we saved $80,000. Now you have to understand this, $80,000, $50,000 for the, what the mortgage went down and another thirty dollars that we would have paid in rent and expenses and all the things that were combined in us living in that house with gas and all that stuff. We saw that we had this small income. Ben was working at the church, doing sound on the side for weddings. He was doing a commercial paper route, so he had three jobs. I was doing a food business with my sister on the side. I was at home leading worship and preaching when I could. And we had this small income that kept getting cut and cut and cut because of the economy Our income got so low that we were approved for a WIC. I was approved to have our baby uh, by the state if I wanted to. It was that low. And yet God, in the middle of this chaos in my life, he had set it up that we would save all of this money. Now, that is not the end of it. You have to understand, we weren't, you know, budgetistas and, you know, we weren't like, putting tons of money. We don't, we're not trust fund babies. There wasn't any money coming our way. We were stewarding what God had given us, but God was making a way where there was no way. And when we finally, after everything hit the fan and two years later, we lost our job and we moved to Reading and we rented a house and we finally were ready to buy this home. We went to sell our home in Roseville and God gave us $80,000 in equity from that little home that God gave us so that we could buy our home and put 20% down for the home that we have now. You see, God knew what he was doing. And what I want you to get out of this is that it would have been really easy for me to believe God if I was sitting in my office today and you were telling me this story. I'd be like, that's amazing, that's great. But you have to understand that sometimes in life, it feels like God is ignoring us. He's not listening to our cries. He's not bringing the man. He's not bringing the money. He's not bringing the opportunity. The ministry's not opening. And we start saying, God, what is going on? Listen, you are not doing anything wrong. You are not missing anything. There is nothing wrong with you. This is about the timing of God. This is about the moment that God wants to bring in your life to bring you hope and clarity and to know that he has a plan. So if you are feeling hopeless today, if you are feeling like you take one step forward and two steps back into your purpose, into your call, into your pregnancy, into your marriage, into your career, into your relationships, I don't know what it is. But there's something in you that feels like, what am I doing wrong when I'm doing everything right? You're not. You're not doing anything wrong. God is setting up circumstances and situations so that he can can literally invest in you for the future. So can you take a deep breath? 
Can you relax a little bit? Can you just, just close your eyes if you're not driving? Just close your eyes for a minute and just take a deep breath and just say, God, forgive me for thinking that you forgot about me or you're withholding from me. You're not withholding from me. I trust that you are working on my behalf. I trust you today. I need you. I need a savior. And you are the one that I want. I love you, God. So at this moment in your life, I just want you to find hope in this story. In fact, when I share it, I get so much hope. Sometimes I forget about it. And then I'm like, oh yeah, remember how God did all these things? You know, sometimes it's just so good to bring up the goodness of God. Like the things that he did when you didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, you didn't figure it out. He saved you. He set you free. He rescued you. He pulled you out of a dead church. He pulled you out of a dead relationship. He pulled you out of bankruptcy or whatever it is in your life, addiction. And he set your feet upon a rock, a firm foundation. And he's put you in the, into a beautiful place of safety that he can, he can set your life up for growth and abundance. So I encourage you today, God is not hiding himself from you. In fact, he's very much engaged in your life. And if you feel like you're going backward, maybe you're actually going forward. You're just being pulled back so you can be, you can have the momentum to be shot forward into the plan and purpose of God. I hope this encourages you today. I'm always honored when you give me a few minutes of your time. And most importantly, I just want you to know you are not alone. You are not alone in your story, but I'm believing God for you. And anything that you have need of right now, I'm believing that God can send his spirit right in the middle of where you are, whether it's the workplace or the subway, or maybe you're putting your kids to bed. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is, is that God is big enough to get into your life and into your space and touch you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love you guys. If this ministered to you, just do me a big favor. I cannot read DMs and all the things that come out my way. I can't read them all. I might try, but I can't read them all. So would you do me a huge favor? Would you write a review on this podcast? I I take time every week to go through each of the reviews, to listen to your thoughts and to read your encouragements. It's really a big deal to me. And I... I know that some of you get so much out of this podcast and you want to tell me in person, but I'm like, you know, the best place is write a review for me, please. I I beg of you, write that review because not only do I get the encouragement, which is what it's meant for, but it also lets other people know about this podcast. And if you really, really are blessed by it, wouldn't you want other people to find it? I know I would. So please do that. That's it. I love you guys. (laughs) Um, Until next time. Bye-bye.